0: Hello, everyone. Happy Friday. It's Friday. I hope you guys have fun plans for your weekend. Happy, happy, happy Friday. Oh, my goodness. I am excited to be on with you. Um, But the topic, it's a heavy topic. It's a heavy topic, but I hope that it um, I hope it brings life for you. When I was um, considering what I should do, really talk about this morning or whether I should even talk, (laughs) Um, that happens to me where I'm like, God, I feel like it's just sometimes words feel so senseless. And like, do I even have anything to say that's of worth? And that's not me being like weird or anything, just like in light of what's going on around me. Sometimes words just feel foolish. But anyway, um, this Sunday I, I'm teaching, and the title of the teaching. We're in a series called King of Kings. We are learning to make much of of Jesus in all of His royal ways, in His in light of His Majesty, and and so this this Sunday's teaching is um, called Kingmaker, and um, and I thought I knew what it was that, that God wanted me to talk about, and I was so wrong. I was so wrong. He is like wanting to go in a completely different direction than than what I would have naturally um leaned into and um it has everything to do with dying to live. And um, I was just gifted a um, a new commentary, and if you know me at all, I'm kind of a commentary junkie, and um, I just love I love reading other people's thoughts on scripture, and um, and so Lisa had had given me a song of songs commentary by Watchman Nee. And listen, friends, I'm not terribly familiar with any of Watchman Nee's work. (laughs) Gasp. I know. What kind of Christian am I? Anyway. And so I was like, oh my gosh. And, And I love Song of Songs. Just absolutely love it. And so this was like, it was like better than Christmas morning. and um, and so actually I dove right in the second that that she gave it to me and she had to endure me reading the book aloud. <laughs> so thank you, Lisa, you're a good friend. <laughs> She, she, she gets to actually, she brought a whole bunch of books over a, a couple of weeks ago for a yard sale that we were having. And, and there was this children's book in the mix. And, um, and I was like, Oh my gosh, because the author was someone that I just love. And, and so we had circle time and I opened up the book and I read it and I have not read a children's story in such a long time. And I kind of got lost in it. <laughs> let's just say it got a little animated up in here. So anyway, that's Angie's background story on reading aloud. I love to read aloud. Um, I I somewhat miss my kids being young so that I can foolishly read books to them. Um, Anyway, guys, good morning. Hello, Pepper, Chris, Lisa, Vince. Thank you for being on with me. I am I'm excited. I am. I'm really excited about where it is that we are as the body of Christ right now. I feel like God is inviting us into a deeper space of intimacy, but it does not look the way that is comfortable for us and um there is there is a dying that that has to take place for us to be able to steward the glory that he is intentionally wanting to pour out in in these days and it will destroy us if we are not properly dead. Can I say that? There's some of the the things that I have found myself saying in the last couple of weeks that I'm like Gosh, I'm morbid. <laughs> but it's fine. We'll be fine. Okay, so there is no other place to start than Song of Songs Five. And because we're gonna read this commentary, it's just gonna go right along with it. We are going to stick with Song of Songs Five um throughout the whole thing. And I am going to just read the commentary to you because it's it's so good. I, I was like, you know what? I could like plan out a whole teaching here, but but why? When you can have story time. But let's read what this says um, at, at the beginning of Song of Songs 5. It's not a very long chapter, but um, I, I do want to introduce what it is we're talking about just by reading the scripture. I have eaten my honeycomb with my honey, I have drunk my wine with my milk. Eat, O friends, drink, and drink deeply, O beloved ones. Verse 2. I sleep, but my heart is awake. A sound my beloved is knocking open to me, my sister, my love, my dove, my perfect one for my head is drenched with dew, my locks with the drops of night. I have put off my garment. How can I put it on again? I've washed my feet. How can I dirty them again? My beloved put his hand into the opening of the door and my inner parts yearned for him. I rose up to open to my beloved, and my hands dripped with myrrh, my fingers with liquid myrrh upon the handles of the bolt. I opened to my beloved, but my beloved had withdrawn. He was gone. My soul failed when he spoke. I saw him, but found him not. I called him, and he answered me not. The watchmen who go about the city found me. They struck me. They wounded me. The keepers of the walls took my veil from me. I adjure you, O daughters of Jerusalem, if you find my beloved, what shall you tell him? That I am sick with love. What is your beloved more than some others' beloveds? O you most beautiful among women, what is your beloved more than some others' beloved that you adjure us so? My beloved is dazzling white yet ruddy, distinguished among 10,000. His head is the finest gold. His locks are wavy, as black as raven. His eyes are like doves, beside the streams of water bathed in milk, fitly set. His cheeks are like a bed of spices, mounds of sweetly fragrant herbs. His lips are lilies dripping with liquid myrrh. His hands are tubes of gold, set with barrel. His belly is an ivory work, overlaid with sapphires. His legs are pillars of white marble set upon bases of gold. His appearance is like Lebanon, as excellent as the cedars. His mouth is sweetness itself, and he is altogether desirable. This is my beloved, and this is my friend, O daughters of Jerusalem. Ah, isn't that so good? I love that she just goes in to just doing her best to ascribe worth to who he is. Have you ever found yourself in that place where you're like, oh my gosh, God, I need your help in even this. Fill my mouth with praise right now because I don't even know how to adore you. Have you been there? Where where you're lost for words, right words of praise. I love it that she conjures up this beautiful space of praise where she begins to do her best to describe who he is to her. It's just so beautiful. So um, I, I do want to, to lay out this, that so far in in Song of Songs, Hi Honey, um, uh, it, Jesus has, has been revealed as king, caller, bridegroom, and now he is going to be introduced as the son of sorrows. Now, this is not something that that we are very familiar with, because let's just face it, we all live in the Western world where there aren't very many sorrows and not sorrows that actually touch us to the point that, that others are like we don't live. We don't live in a space of want. I'm not saying that there aren't times that we want things that we find ourselves without. I'm talking about severe poverty. We've never been touched by severe poverty. And, um, and so she's introduced in chapter five to the son of sorrows. She's, she's introduced to, um, to extreme, the, the extreme shame of the cross. And this, this is, we're not comfortable with this, this kind of talk. We're not comfortable with Jesus coming at us in this way, but it's crucial to, to completely understand What has been done on our behalf that we allow this shame of suffering to touch our lives. And so I want to start. I want to start just in this one spot. It says the Lord first revealed himself as the king because he is after the throne in our heart. And once again, for those of you that weren't on before, we're just reading from a commentary. The Song of Songs by um, Watchman Nee. And it is it's brilliant. We're in Song of Songs five. The Lord first revealed himself as a king because he's after the throne in our heart. Then he was caller, leading the maiden out of the inner walls into the resurrection life. Finally, he reveals himself as the bridegroom, having a perfect love relationship with the maiden. All these things we're comfortable with, right? Now, a completely different revelation is unveiled My head is filled with the dew and my locks with the drops of the night. What kind of picture is this? This is clearly Christ's experience at Gethsemane. There his head was indeed filled, filled with dew. That night, his head was filled with the drops of the night. Here he reveals himself as the son of sorrows. Hi, Mike. In the past, we saw the Christ for rede- the cross for redemption. We also saw the Christ, the cross for identification. We have seen the suffering and death of the cross, and we have seen how the cross delivers us from the world and self. We have seen the victory at the cross and our confirmation to the cross. After a believer has seen these things, he may think that he has reached the peak experience, and that he will then advance step by step toward resurrection and glory little does he realize that there is another aspect of the cross that he has not experienced even if he has a little experience in this area it is shallow at best although he knows about the suffering of the cross he does not know the extent of that suffering although he has realized the confirmation that is the molding of the cross He does not know what shape this mold will conform him to. The Lord now calls his believers to go through an experience of the cross that they have never before experienced or that they have only experienced in a shallow way. Now, just a little bit of background um, of of what is happening here uh, in in Junction City, Kansas. Um, God is really like calling us um, it, into understanding his his sufferings in in this very way, he he has been so bold as to call us a house of myrrh, and I, I I I don't I don't have enough revelation to rightly hold that. You know what I'm saying? Like, have you been there where he is like he is saying things that are beyond you and causes you to have to have to expand yourself to even be able to grab hold of an inkling of what it is that he is saying because we don't live in a suffering world. It's hard for us to grab hold of what this could possibly mean. So he's calling us a house of myrrh that that people will come here to die. Now that's not exactly what Any ministry leader wants to hear, (laughs) you know, we want the power. We want to see the grandiose displays of healing and miracles, not to be known as the place where people come to die. Now, that's my initial reaction to God saying these things to me. However, my mind has changed significantly from, from my first reaction to it, realizing that, oh my gosh. What an honor it is to be regarded as capable of stewarding a house of myrrh, of being a space where we can actually help people learn how to die with Christ. This is this is one of the this is why we don't grasp we don't even grasp the reality of baptism because we don't understand suffering to this degree. Okay. I've said enough. The Garden of Gethsemane speaks of God, uh, of uh, Christ's rejection and everything associated with this rejection. We may understand the redemptive aspect of the cross, but there is still the aspect of his outward rejection. This aspect subjected him to extreme shame. Do, yes. Oh my gosh, Pepper, God was talking that's part of my teaching on Sunday, a spiritual hospice. That is exactly what he was saying to me the other day when he was talking about my teaching on Sunday. He was like, Angie, I need you to understand the correlation between hospitality and and hospice care. And I was like, what? Anyway, we're not going to go there. We're saving that. Of all the previous sufferings, we can still find some glory in them because God is still there. But he was not only rejected by man, but was seemingly rejected by God as well. Seemingly. It seems as if everything that came upon him was a chastisement. This is God's hand on his life. He was rejected, and this was the greatest shame that he bore. The Lord does not invite us to participate in his redemptive work alone, but he charges us to have fellowship with him in the other aspects of the cross. The problems we encountered in the past revolved around sin, the world, Satan, and the natural self. Although we encountered the suffering and confirmation of the cross, we were completely unfamiliar with rejection and this level of shame. Now the Lord is knocking and saying, open to me. This this means that he calls every believer to open up their heart to him once more and to receive once again the Lord who is filled with the drops of the night. The maiden must still learn what it means to be rejected by God and to suffer the deeper misunderstanding and shame of the cross. He calls her sister. He beckons the life of God within her. My love indicates her knowledge of God's will. My dove speaks of the nature of the Holy Spirit, while my undefiled speaks of her purity, chastity, and consecration. However, he does not say my spouse because he's waiting for her to answer him before he can be assured of her status as a spouse. One who is in complete union with him one who is in complete union with him? Do we even understand what it means to be in complete union with Christ? Do we know what it means to be in complete union? I'm going to say that I don't even think that we understand what it means to be in union with our spouse. For those of us that are married, we prefer to point out flaws rather than recognize that those flaws are now a part of who we are. Therefore, everything that is great about me is applied to that person, right? Like we don't understand complete union, but that's what she's being invited into. That's what we are being invited into. The Lord begs her to open herself. Previously, she opened herself to receive the Lord as King. Now the Lord wants her to open herself and receive him as a son of sorrows. Now the Lord leads her into the deepest aspect of a life of suffering together with him and in confirmation to his death. Yet the Lord will never force anyone to take away that he does not want to take. Therefore, he will only knock and ask. He has to wait until the believers become willing in themselves. Verse 3 says, I have put off my coat. How shall I put it on? I've washed my feet. How shall I defile them? The call in verse 2 is beyond many believers' expectation. They do not realize that there is the aspect of shame to the cross. They are not inexperienced as to the cross. They may have had deep experiences of the cross already. Although they have suffered a little for the cross and met some persecution and shame, they have always felt that the cross was their glory, their life, and their power. It never occurred to them that the cross would become their shame that they would not only lose worldly fame, but also their spiritual renown, that others would consider that God has rejected them and that God would put them through trials and strip them of comfort and sympathy from those whom they know. Who would think that they were smitten by God? They may have suffered shame from the world, but spiritual shame is something new to them, This kind of misunderstanding will touch their feelings in a deep way because it has to do with the relationship between God and them. Only then will they know what it means to fill up on my part that which is lacking of the affliction of Christ. How unfamiliar is this calling, yet how cruel seemingly. No wonder many shrink back. The maiden may think that God's glory is more important than everything else. In the past, she may have tried to glorify God's name in her life and work. If God allows her to be misunderstood, stripped of her good name, shamed, and considered by others as being in an argument with God, how can she glorify him any longer? (sighs) Okay. I'm going to get into this more on Sunday, but I want to say this that there is a shame that that we are invited into that will cause us to question everything and and I know that there's a fine line here that 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 we we don't want to see God as one who smites us right I know that I know that. I know how uncomfortable this is. It goes down like, you know, a sharp tortilla chip. Have you ever had one? It hurts all the way down. It is for our good that he does the things that he does. I can tell you that in my own life, that there has been a series of events over the last 10 years that seem to be increasing in, in the power of shame to where I want to defend myself. I want to stand and say, you don't understand. You don't have the full picture But he's also denying me that privilege, that right to be able to defend myself and be able to explain what's actually happening. I was in a group a couple of weeks ago, and um, it was a Zoom group, and we were in a breakout room, and we were supposed to be practicing prophesying over each other in areas that God was wanting to bring justice. And I'm not going to get into what the word was, but they were so right on the money in this word that it touched a space of shame in me that God was wanting to redeem. See, we cover up parts of ourselves that we want hidden back, that we don't want him to acknowledge because we don't want to look at it. And that's what he's talking about. He's talking about awakening us To the very shame that he went through. Because we will never fully understand our oneness, our union with him, if we don't also experience this. We need to understand that he is God. Jesus is God. He strips himself of his very own deity. His genesis his deity. And he strips himself of that over and over and over. This, this is what all we see is Jesus removing his Godhead, his deity, so that he can be acquainted with the capacity of suffering. And if you don't think for one second that it was, that he experienced deep Amounts of shame being spit on. We can't even handle words. And I've never had somebody stand in front of me and spit on me. I've never had anyone, I don't have a beard, but I've never had anybody yank. I don't even know anyone who's had their their beard ripped out. I've never been accused to the point of death for something that I didn't do. I, I, I want to put this in, in in perspective for us because here in in our first world comforts, we are whining and complaining about things that don't even touch this. These are things that will not will not help us regard our union with him. If we can't afford the, the, the most ex- expensive uh, milk, organic milk in the, the refrigerated section of our grocery stores, we whine. I'm sorry, that's not being acquainted with suffering. If you are in a space where you are wanting, I, I want you to just pause right here. I want you to pause right here and just consider with Holy Spirit. Are you... Stripping me of what I know as comfort so I can become better acquainted with your suffering, so I can better understand what I have with you, so I can better understand union. You guys, we will not be able to steward the level of glory that He has for us, it's His intention to pour that level of glory out on us and through us, but we won't be able to steward it well if we are not fully acquainted with the completeness of union in Christ, okay? I should have marked where I was because I forget where I'm at often, but I needed to say all that. Oh, I know where we're at. With those who have heard such a calling, there may be another problem. They may be concerned about God's work. Through the cross they have experienced, others have been attracted to them to learn the Lord's way. The maiden's past experience of the cross made her a channel of life. Those who wanted to follow the Lord had to go to her. But if she answers this new call, don't miss this. If she answers this new call and allows the cross to bring her to the place of shame, Will she not lose her position and opportunities in the work? The past experiences of the cross have attracted others to her. Will not the future experience of the cross turn people away from her? Will anyone draw near to her again? Will anyone want to learn the way of the cross from her? These thoughts may bring hesitation to her footsteps, and it will you and I also. We believe that our life as ministers of the gospel must look a certain way. And and we turn our backs on the very fire that God is bringing to us to bring about a new purification inside of us because we are afraid of what it will look like. And I can tell you firsthand that those who once came to you for your counsel, for your wisdom, for your ways, they will turn their back on you because they do not understand what it is that God is doing within you. They can't understand. And for you to put that expectation on them is wrong. I have been wrong. And I have had so many people turn their back on me, thinking that they know what is going on in my life. My life, if you could have eyes to see, is nothing but sheer loss. It's just a whole lot of loss. But my gosh, he's making room. He's making room for something greater. And what is it to me if people turn their back on what it is that God has done and is doing in my life? That's not for me to care about, nor is it for you to care about. And this is part of counting the cost. There are people close to me that have wrongly judged the scenario. And that's okay. That's okay. I'm not going to change my mind about who they are. They can't comprehend it because they don't understand the sorrow of the sun. They don't understand the shame of the cross. I don't even understand it. (laughs) I'm trying to. Therefore, she answers, I have put off my coat. How shall I put it on again? In her outward walk, the cross has put off the old man with its deeds. Yes, Pepper, we have to accept being misunderstood. Jesus was so misunderstood. They expected him to come in as some chief warrior. To annihilate those who opposed the the Jewish people. And when he comes in as a lamb, not uttering a word of complaint. They lost their attraction to him. Anyway. In her outward walk, the cross has put off the old man with its deeds. Should she rise up to accept the loneliness and shame of the cross and to bear the misunderstanding, like putting on a coat that she has put off? Is it not enough for a person to experience the cross to the extent of being genuinely delivered from the old man? Many believers who have reached this stage do not see that there are two aspects to the cross, the negative and the positive. The maiden knows resurrection and the cross, but she only knows the negative aspects. Her attention is on the cross's work in dealing with the old creation. She does not see how the cross also deals with the new creation. She only sees the cross in its work of deliverance. She does not see the cross in its work of initiation. She may misunderstand and think that these works belong to the realm of resurrection. Actually, they belong to the realm of the cross. On the positive side, the cross brings a stamp of shame, suffering, and misunderstanding to the new creation. The Lord Jesus' life is a life in the new creation. Yet, do we see a mark of suffering in him that comes from the cross? I have washed my feet. How shall I defile them, she says. We have taken a bath and are clean before the Lord. When we walk through the world, we come into contact with the dust and the dirt of the world, yet we are cleansed through a continual cleansing. The maiden may think that she needs to preserve her cleanliness, to no longer defile herself, and to not give the appearance that she has stopped progressing, but is regressing instead. All that she sees is the preservation of her own cleanliness. She does not see that the the defilement one Receives in opening the door to the Lord is not really defilement at all. She must put on her coat and be willing to be defiled again before she can open the door. But this does not imply putting on her old man once more or defilement by the world once again. Rather, it means a putting on and a defilement by misunderstandings. The refusal here is a refusal of the best thing and is settling for the next best thing this is a picture of a person's contentment in his own experience and a failure to see the importance of experiencing philippians three ten in a full way you have to look that up on your own philippians three ten. subconsciously the self has crept in the maiden sees only herself it seems that her past experience experience in god's work and glory have occupied a place in her already Her questions indicate that she does not want to change her present spiritual condition, but the Lord's calling interrupts our present condition. All spiritual progress involves a change of our present order. This is where the price lies. An attachment to spiritual ease is often the reason behind a rejection of higher callings. I'm gonna read that again. An attachment to spiritual ease is often the reason behind a rejection of higher callings. Understand that. Know what it is that he's calling you into. When we are spiritually at ease and our conscience does not condemn us concerning any error, and when we find ourselves having many spiritual experiences that issue from the Lord's death and resurrection, we are reluctant to pursue after the goal Christ has set for us. We prefer to live in the same way, not spending additional effort to pursue new things and not losing our present peace. Verse four says, my beloved put in his hand by the hole of the door and my bowels were moved for him. I rose up to open to my beloved and my hands dropped with myrrh and my fingers with sweet smelling myrrh upon the handles of the lock. For the bowels to be moved means that her deepest feelings are touched. Her questions are not a rejection, but an indication of the weakness of her flesh. Her will has fully been subjected to the Lord. The expression of delay is caused by her natural constitution. Inwardly, she has no problem at all, but she is somewhat feeble outwardly. Hence, the Lord encourages her with new invitations. If her heart were indeed hardened, the Lord would not have pursued her. Therefore he put in his hand by the hole of the door. This is a calling, not a chastisement. This hand is the hand that once embraced her. The hand that was once under her head. This hand is the nail pierced hand. The Lord beckons her once again with such a hand. Putting the hand through the hole of the door means that the Lord is doing all that he can to reveal a part of himself. Through the revelation of his hand, the Lord hopes that she will begin to think about him. His hand represents his heart and it reveals himself. All spiritual experiences are the result of the attraction of Christ. Men must see the Lord's revelation before they will rise above their present condition of ease to advance further with Christ. Those who truly see the Lord cannot fail to be moved in their bowels. But how few are those who are moved by the Lord? How many are there who can tell the difference between being touched by the teaching and being touched by the Lord? The maiden rises to open the door. Because of the Lord's attraction, she's willing to accept the cross of shame. Just as she wants just as she was once willing to accept the cross of power. The hands that open the door, the hands that signify faith and obedience, surely drop with myrrh. Here we see not only the power of the Lord's death, but the smell, the fragrance of his death. The Lord's life, which is passed through death, is in her hands, and it is rising up as a tide, enabling her hands to open the door. Even the lock of her will cannot help but be permeated with the smell of the Lord's death. So right now, Holy Spirit, we feel you knocking on our doors, inviting us into something even more, into wave upon wave of the satisfaction of your death. That we would feel the baptism of your death all over again the weighty call to enter in through your death, that we would reek of the fragrance of your death, Jesus, that we would put our hands on the lock of our will and we would go after this higher calling, Jesus. We hear you. Just tell him, I hear you. Verse six says, I opened to my beloved, but my beloved had withdrawn himself and was gone. My soul failed when he spake. I sought him, but I could not find him. I called him, but he gave me no answer. A person who is experienced in the Lord's dealing does not experience discipline from God when he is disobedient. I'm going to read that again because it's really important. A person who is experienced in the Lord's dealings does not experience discipline from God. When he is disobedient, God's discipline comes to him only after he is obedient. When a person is obedient, the Lord will show him the evil of disobedience. In the maiden's feeling, her beloved is gone once again. Form, formerly, she lost the Lord's presence because of her foolishness. Now the pain she experiences, it's in her spirit. Her spirit seems to be bound in darkness and there is no light. She recalls how she was beside herself when the Lord first called and how her soul was raptured away to him. When he spoke, her heart was ravished. Now she hates herself and does not know why she cannot have the outward strength to match her inward desires. She hates the fact that she gave a false excuse, which caused him to hide his glorious face. She can only look and call. She cannot find him and he will not answer. The search is different from the one she had before. This search is is not on the streets or in the broad places, but it's before God. And even her prayers seem useless. I'm going to stop there and... Um, and, and just remind you that I am going to to get into this deeper on Sunday morning. So please, if, if this is striking any chord within you, just tune in on um, Sunday morning. We we typically go live about 10.45 or you can catch up either on our podcast or, or later on Facebook um or YouTube. Um, But what what I really want us to grab hold of here is that there is a call that has gone out, and I don't care what part of the world that you live in, it has gone out wide that we would enter into this kind of death with Him. And the reason why God is is acquainting this with being a Kingmaker, because remember, my teaching on Sunday is called Kingmaker is because in order to really become a king that that fitly falls under the title king of kings, we have to, have to better understand what it fully means to be one with him. And this includes walking in his shame. And it is an intense shame. I, I I probably have only but tasted of it, but it is an intense shame. And part of my story is that I didn't want to yield to it. I didn't. I didn't want to yield to it at all. I I, I even now, you know, hindsight, right? Like spiritual hindsight gives us gives us better vision of what. Takes place in, in these moments when we can look back with the Lord, because remember He is always there, and so you can always go back to that space, and there is redemption in it. Because here's where the redemption lies. I can look back on this time, and, and what what I'll tell you is that there there was a um, it was a, um, a a true moment of encountering shame. And um, and I was just and God had invited me in to um, giving up my reputation. And it was within um, an hour that I had lost sight of the invitation. And I knew full well what he was talking about. And um, and then. I had been praying, God, please just make a way, make a way, make a way like we do. Right. And, and oftentimes when God comes in the way that he has been coming in, in my life, we will not rightly investigate things that are brought before us that appear as blessings. Now, what I did on this particular night was receive a bribe from the enemy to be able to get myself out of this shameful position. Here's where the redemptive work comes in. I now have insight on what is God and what isn't God and and know that I have to investigate and not just see everything as an answer from God. And so all I did in this moment when I said yes to this bribe, that's just what I'm calling it, the bribe of of Satan, (laughs) I delayed this season of suffering that he has called me into. I'm sharing this with you, and maybe we'll get into more details on Sunday, still undecided on that. (sighs) When your story involves more than just you, you, need to use wisdom. I'm going to throw that out there. But what I can say is that I'm thankful. I'm thankful to have gone through what what I I, I have gone through up to this point, and um, because I have eyes to see, you know, even in even in my 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 receiving a, a bribe and calling it God. Um, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for it because my eyes are open and I realize that that there is an agenda of the enemy to keep us stuck in spaces that God doesn't want us in anymore. Listen, if God's calling you out of comfort, there's nothing you can do to to hold on to it. You will be in direct defiance of God's call on your life to stay there. So if he's rattling things in your life, go lower. Seriously, go low. Because you want to be able to see everything that is coming at you through his eyes so that you don't get yourself caught up in delay. This particular delay lasted an entire year. It's okay because I've learned a lot from it. I, I, I wouldn't be able to even be on here with you talking about all of this. If I hadn't gone through that, so um, you know, even in this, I can say, God be glorified, right? I, I I did the work. I did the the work of repentance. In case you're curious, but I'm so sorry, Jesus, so sorry that you that I delayed your work in my life. You know, and and I get it. Shame like this and understand the difference. understand the difference. It's not that same shame that haunts us, that makes us um, want to feel bad about ourselves. It's not like that, okay? So um, you, you need to go and, and ask Holy Spirit to show you the difference because there is a difference between between the two. We're not talking about that that shame that that makes you want to ridicule yourself. That's not what we're talking about at all. Jesus never mocked himself, you know? He never mocked himself. He allowed himself to be mocked. Do we understand? Okay. Um, Father, I, I just feel like we are standing on precious ground. It just feels like such precious, holy ground. And mostly talking about things that we have very little knowledge on. we thank you. Thank you for bringing us into such wealth of being regarded as one with you. That you would invite us into understanding the shame of your suffering. As new creation, I am just in awe. That you bring us into yourself to reveal the shame of your suffering. What it was like to be God and man, to be seated and walking the earth. Jesus. (laughs) It's just so humbling. It's just so humbling. It's just so humbling to be invited into this. To this side of the cross. And we thank you for the invitation to go lower still. And we thank you that our hands are dripping with myrrh also. With the fragrance of your death. Oh, Jesus. You're so worthy. You're so worthy. There's no other as worthy as you. There's no other. You are beautiful in all your ways. We love you. Amen. Okay, friends. I bless your. I bless your day. I bless your day. We'll talk soon.